Welcome to the nationally syndicated In the Oil Patch radio show with Kim Bellotto, broadcasting from the Port of Corpus Christi studios. Get more on the Port of Corpus Christi at portofcc.com. In the Oil Patch radio show will give you an inside look at the oil, gas, and energy industry and how it affects you from industry experts and government officials right here on the In the Oil Patch radio show. And now it's time for me to welcome all my co-hosts for today's show, Robert Rapier, who is a 25-year veteran in the energy industry as a chemical engineer and also is a senior writer for Forbes magazine. Robert, welcome back to In the Oil Patch radio show, and thank you for agreeing to be my co-host today. Absolutely. You know, you are so insightful of all these years in the energy industry, have lots and lots of experience. So I'm very glad that you will be here uh, to help me interview our uh, guest for today's show, which will be the president of American Petroleum Institute, better known as API, Mike Sumners. And I'm pretty excited because it'll be the first time on the show. And Robert, I'm sure you're familiar, like I'm familiar, but maybe not our listeners, that API is the largest trade association in the United States that deals with oil and gas producers. And uh, so when they speak, a lot of people listen, including the administration, I hope, and uh, Congress. Today, we are um, actually taping the show, Robert, and um, it is the morning of the State of the Union in which President Biden is expected to, uh, you know, give his speech. And my question is... um, you know, there's a lot to discuss when we talk about energy. First of all, how much and and in what way do you think that President Biden will talk about the energy sector tonight on his State of the Union? Uh, I think he'll uh, probably emphasize that uh, we are we are bouncing back uh, from COVID. I think he'll probably highlight that you know oil production went up last year. He will. You know, he, he may demagogue against the oil and gas industry again because they, you know, they're reporting record profits again. And he will probably use that opportunity to bash them and say, you know, it's, you know, he doesn't have a good relationship with the oil and gas industry. And, and uh, my my bet is that he continues that hostile tone with them in the State of the Union. And, um, you know, it's uh, popular with people who are paying high gas prices to, uh to highlight the high profits and say that's unacceptable. And um, the thing I would like to see him address is the strategic petroleum reserve. I mean, that was drained last year to try to combat high oil prices. And they said they're going to refill it, but uh, they didn't like the bids they got for, uh, you know, for, for putting oil back in there. You know, they didn't want to pay market prices, basically, is what it came down to. So uh, what is the plan? What is the plan going forward if oil prices rise? Are they just not going to fill it? Um, You know, I'd I'd like to hear a a plan on that. Well, I think he kind of gave a plan, his administration, and it was to refill it. However, they were looking for a certain benchmark so that way they can give a rate of return back to the American people. Um, This was the last statement that he made, and I don't remember what guest it was. I had on the show, but we were talking about that, and uh, that's why they did not uh, take the energy industry up on uh, purchasing right now and trying to refill it. So we're looking at this year to refill it. Um, it'll be interesting to see with prices and uh, time if he's one. You're right. Talk if he's going to discuss that. And two, I do anticipate that he will uh, talk about the record profits coming from uh, some of the major energy companies. But I hope that people keep in mind that those prices are not set by the energy producers. They are set by the price of demand. It's 
simple economics. Right. He's not going to highlight that. You know, he's not going to point that out. No, he's not. So that's why we're going to say that this is all created by this administration. A lot of what we're dealing with and what we're going through is because of the regulations. And so I'm going to give you an opportunity, Robert. Explain why the administration has kind of created this problem for the American people. Right. So um, basically it comes down to they want to accelerate this energy transition to to green energy. And as a result, they put money into green energy and they've adopted a more hostile tone with the fossil fuel producers. Um, You know, there's been some foot dragging on permits and there's been, you know, the cancellation of the Keystone pipeline. And um, just overall, um, you know, they've stressed the importance of, of getting the carbon out of the air. Okay, so that's that's been the general tone of the administration. The problem is that sets up a situation for the oil industry where they um, maybe can see that the the returns won't be there for the projects that they're going to invest billions of dollars in. You know, if truly, I I doubt that Chevron believes that oil demand is going to be substantially lower in 10 years, but that is an increased risk um, for them. And Mm -hmm. they're not necessarily going to go invest in the riskiest projects as a result. And so what happens is, over time, as demand doesn't decrease as fast as you know maybe the administration thought it would, suddenly you've got a supply shortfall and prices very high and high profits for the oil and gas industry. Well, you know, Robert, the only problem, I mean, I, hey, we should all be um, environmentalists. We should all try to, you know, do things greener and um, take care of the planet and our precious resources. But there isn't any other product out there that we can switch to right now. Um, And so this is going to continue. But do you see any other industry that is demonized or treated so hostile more than the oil and gas industry, which is probably the most important commodity we have on the planet to survive with? I, I guess I'm just trying to, you know, pinpoint that this is definitely an unbalanced uh, deck set against the energy industry amongst all other industries that also use energy and use oil and gas as a byproduct, correct? Right. I mean, the, the only thing comparable is the cigarette industry. And, and uh, to think about what the cigarette, cigarette industry does and what the oil and gas industry does, I mean, most of us don't smoke. Um, you know, people choose to smoke and that, you know, has long-term serious health impacts. You can't say that about oil and gas. I mean, yes, there are long-term impacts, but there's no real upside to smoking. I mean, with oil and gas, it allows the entire global transportation infrastructure to exist. You know, it allows us to fly halfway around the world. It, it allows us to drive back and forth to work every day. Um, I worked in Europe on three different occasions, and once was in the Netherlands. And I can tell you that in the Netherlands, and we may think Europe is very, very green, but in the Netherlands, they are very proud of Shell. Uh, you do not see this demonization. In the UK, where I've worked, in Scotland, they are very proud of BP. Um, they, they do not demonize the oil industry like we do here in the US, like we, we regularly do. And, and I think it's just, you know, there's some guiltiness about, um, you know, this thing that we use that, you know, causes, you know, some environmental damage. And we would rather pass the buck and take no responsibility ourselves and say, well, it's, it's their fault. It's their fault that I use oil and gas because, you know, if not for them, we would be all driving electric vehicles. And when somebody says that, I said, you know, out of all the countries in the world, nobody 
is running off of you know electricity. Everybody's running off oil and gas. Every country in the world. So the oil and gas industry didn't cause that. Right. And I mean, if we're not going to get so energy is set to only peak in the future with the amount of people being born on the planet and the resources that we need. So take that into consideration. And then we have to understand that the world is going to demand oil and gas. In the future, it's going to continue. So is it, should it be pumped right here in the way of where we do have a lot of environmental protections and some of the best energy companies on the planet focus on, you know, trying to do things a lot greener and developing that technology and then share it with the rest of the world that doesn't have things like the EPA and Waters Over America and other agencies to really manage that we're doing it as green and as healthy for the environment as possible and share that technology. Because I don't think Russia or China really have these environmental protection in place for their people and their population. And and they probably don't care that much about the environment the way we do. And the workers, I mean, they're worker protections. We have worker protections that they don't have in place. That's exactly correct and an important point that uh, when we push uh, our our domestic producers away and in turn have to go to Venezuela and say, hey, can you, we, we need oil or Saudi Arabia. There's yes, something wrong. the environmental implications of that. Mm-hmm. And, and you're transporting the oil from much further and there are environmental implications from that. Um, yeah, it's it's a lot worse. It's a lot worse for us to uh, to do that. So if we have a listener that says, well, that's fine, you know, but not in my backyard. A lot of Californians started that. But maybe it should be, well, what backyard should it be in? In, And, of course, do they realize that they're going to pay a whole lot more for that because it's got to be shipped in from somewhere? And so to think about that as well. Well, you know, I'm really excited because in the next segment, we will be joined by Mike Sumners, who is, again, the chief executive officer of American Petroleum Institute, better known as API, the largest trade association representing all aspects of Americans' natural gas and oil industry. You know, I'm really excited, Robert, because he's coming on the show to talk about what he hopes the State of the Union that President Biden will give this evening um, will be hopefully covering some of the energy industry. And uh, he's got some talking points and some points that are very valid on things that, you know, he hopes to see here in this administration in 2023. And this is the position of API. So when we return from break, we'll be joined by Mike Sumner, again, who is the Chief Executive Officer, our CEO of American Petroleum Institute, better known as API. You're listening to the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Are you a business owner feeling overwhelmed where to begin your business's online presence? Maybe you've spent thousands of dollars in the past just to be highly disappointed with the results. We understand because we were once you. Since then, we decided to hire the very best experts to help us and you. Let us send you our business profile that will quickly show you your Google business rankings in these five areas. Reputation, ratings online, website, advertising and social media, and search engine optimization. All of these areas really affect how Google ranks your entire listing. So if ranking on page one is your goal, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com slash business profile. We'll be in contact with you within 24 hours. Once again, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. 
slash business profile. Start dealing with a company you can trust and always find. Farmers and ranchers are the hardest working people on earth and deserve a side-by-side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three and six person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha Source side-by-side owner study. Hey, when you're in business, you have to make a lot of tough choices. So let's talk about an easy one, your workers' comp coverage. If you're a propane or butane dealer or operator, you need to join the Lone Star Energy Safety Group through Texas Mutual Insurance Company. As a member, you'll automatically get a discount on your premium, plus you can earn double dividends that will go straight into your pocket. It's the easiest decision you'll ever make. Find out more at TexasMutual.com slash Lone Star Energy. And Robert, now it's time for us to welcome on our guest for today's show, Mike Summer, who is the uh, CEO of American Petroleum Institute, better known as API, the largest trade association representing all aspects of the American natural gas and oil industry. Mike, welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Great to be with you. Well, you know, we're excited because this is the first time that we have your trade association on the show. Um, and it's a very important trade association uh, because it's the largest. And I think it's, you, you know, from my research, it also is the most informative to the community as well. So I want to give you a moment to just kind of tell our listeners about the mission of API and what are some of the most important and critical things that you feel the association delivers to the American people and, of course, to the, to the oil and gas industry. Well, thank you, Kim. It really is great to be with you here, and uh, I'd love to make it uh, a, a more regular thing. Uh, so API is the largest oil and gas trade association in the world. Uh, we have over 600 members, uh, and we represent all aspects of the oil and gas industry in the United States, from uh, refining to moving our product to, of course, the production of, of oil and gas here in the United States. Uh, all of the members uh, your, your listeners will be familiar with, uh, Chevron, Exxon, BP, Shell, uh, and along with, you know, Occidental Petroleum and Marathon Oil um, and uh, Marathon Petroleum on the refining side and Phillips 66. And then, of course, our, our, our great uh, midstream operators like, like Enbridge and, and Plains All-American and other operators uh, who operate all over the United States. Um, we are an advocacy organization in Washington, D.C. and in the states. So we have our, our primary headquarters is in Washington, D.C., um, but we also have eight regional offices throughout the United States in places like Ohio and Pennsylvania uh, and in the Mid-Atlantic and, uh, in, uh, in, even up in uh, Boston, Massachusetts, um, and as far west as Colorado, where we uh, represent our industry not just at the, at the state level but at the local level as well um, as we deal with uh, increased regulatory uh, fights uh, at the state and local level and at the federal level as well. 
Um, about uh, half of our business, of course, isn't advocacy. Uh, most of your listeners may know API because of the great API standards programs. Uh, so we do standards for the, uh, for the uh, broader oil and gas industry, not just in the United States, but throughout the world, uh, which means we have three offices overseas as well that sell API standards and train people to API standards as well to make sure that we are operating in the safest, uh, most environmentally responsible ways possible, not just here in the United States, but throughout the world. So it's a great organization. It's over 101 years old. Uh, and uh, I'm proudly uh, get to represent uh, the, the really the greatest industry in the world, the American oil and gas industry. Well, I want to uh, give you a moment as well to talk a little bit about your background, because you're not a newbie to oil and gas. You actually have a lot of experience as well. Um, and, and it's kind of important and kind of cool, because according to uh, Fortune magazine, they listed you as one of the most 50 out of 50. I'm sorry. <clears throat> They listed you amongst 50 world greatest leaders. But give us a little bit of your background, because I'm not sure if our listeners are familiar with how much experience you have in the oil and gas industry. Well, great. Thank you. Um, so I've been with API for about five years. Um, but I came to this industry in a little bit different way than, than many of your listeners. Uh, I, I uh, actually spent most of my career uh, in, in government and politics. So I started my career with a young congressman by the name of John Boehner, mm -hmm. uh, who represented my home congressional district in Ohio. Uh, John eventually became, uh, of course, Speaker of the House, um, and I was his chief of staff uh, during his five years as Speaker in the United States House of Representatives. I also spent um, some time uh, in the Bush White House uh, at the National Economic Council, uh, where I counseled the president on uh, big trade, energy, and uh, agricultural issues. Uh, and then uh, I ran a smaller trade association in the financial services industry uh, before I got recruited uh, to join uh, API uh, five years ago. Uh, and it's, uh, it's been a, a great run. Um, and again, I, I just couldn't be uh, more excited to be able to represent uh, the oil and gas industry in the United States, which has done so much for humanity uh, and, and continues to deliver the energy that the world needs uh, during a time of crisis. Well, you know, Mike, you're bringing up a good point. I'm, I'm happy that you're on the show today because uh, we are anticipating the State of the Union this evening from uh, the Biden administration. And uh, there's a lot to discuss pertaining to energy and how do we help our elected officials understand more the energy industry. It's quite complicated. Uh, it, it really requires a lot of experience in, in policy as well as, which is your background, but also really trying to help uh, the elected officials understand that these policies that they pass, they have consequences for us all. And we're kind of seeing some of the uh, problems that are being created by what appears to be somewhat of a hostile stance pertaining to uh, energy and, all, and sometimes uh, their information lacks a lot of insight for the American people to understand really what um, what's happening why are they paying more at the pump why are they paying more at the grocery store um, and everyone of course hears how important the environment is and buzzwords going around like esg climate change uh, net zero and a lot of the major companies outside of oil and gas are uh, you know positioning themselves that they're going to be carbon free and net zero a lot of people do not understand a lot of this uh, jargon that's coming out, especially from the administration. Heck, I'm not even sure if a lot of the 
you know, elected officials in the administration understand as well. And that's why um, I'm having you on today to kind of help explain some of the major points that your organization feels that this administration uh, could do to help further along the energy industry and help give the American people some relief, if you will, and greater understanding. We're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, I want, uh, Robert and I want to get a little bit of understanding on what do you think are the most important things for this administration, Biden administration, to understand. Let's take a quick break. You're listening to a new Old Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, video, and social media. Shale also provides specialized web services from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website, shalemag.com. Once again, that's shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G.com to learn more. Shale is your one-stop shop for growing your business. Pick up the phone today and call 210 210- 2407188 again 2102407188 remember this name oil field experts to locate any part any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs oil field experts specialty is those hard to find oil field parts for your fleet maintenance needs and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965 from the auto repair shop to the pump jack call us for the right part right now Write down this number, Oil Field Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. And visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. We're back. You're listening to a new old patch radio show. My co-host today is Robert Rapier, who is a senior contributor with Forbes magazine, and Mike Summers, who is the CEO of American Petroleum Institute API, the largest trade association representing the oil and natural gas energy industry. Hi, Mike. Uh, good to have you on this morning. Um, by by way of introduction, I have a I come out of the oil and gas industry myself. I worked for Conical Phillips for many years. I had a long-standing relationship with Jane Van Ryan and uh, Mark Green, um, yep. and so I'm I'm very acquainted with API, and, and it's it's good to make your acquaintance this morning. Um, what I'd like to ask you about is, um, you know, sort of what need what do you think needs to be done, um, and what would you like to see the administration do to be able to help further development in federal waters and lands? I know that's been a problem. They've sort of uh, been very restrictive on drilling in federal waters and, and lands and and what kind of reforms would you like to see to enable us to continue to increase uh, domestic oil and gas production in the years ahead well great question uh, you know we spend a lot of our time at in uh, at api and in washington dc trying to educate lawmakers on the importance of this industry and so one of the key things that we focused on this year uh, is really uh, making sure that there's uh, better energy literacy among our lawmakers. So just some basic facts. The world consumes 100 million barrels of oil every single day. Uh, and that number is only increasing. It is not decreasing. So we expect that number to uh, increase this year because we expect China is going to be coming back from their COVID lockdowns. And we expect there's going to be more demand as the middle class continues to grow. So our estimates are that uh, that number is going to go up uh, over the course of the next 50 years. Uh, and the real question that I think lawmakers are going to have to ask is, 
whether they want that oil and gas to be coming from the United States, uh, a country that uh, uh, develops these resources in the most environmentally responsible way, or whether we want to get those resources from uh, regimes that are hostile to American and Americans' interests. Our studies and our polling suggest that Americans want to use these resources for themselves, and they want to continue to produce oil and gas here in the United States, because Americans inherently know that we're going to need this energy if we're going to succeed as an economy. Uh, and I, I think what uh, we've seen over the course of the last two years, unfortunately, from the Biden administration, is a continuing uh, effort by them to really put a damper on American oil and gas production. So the things that they really have control over, which is federal drilling uh, on land uh, or, or drilling on federal land uh, and in federal waters, uh, they have significantly cut back on the amount of, of activity on federal lands and in federal waters. I'll give you a couple of examples of that. Uh, they're mandated by law uh, to do uh, quarterly lease sales on federal lands. And unfortunately, uh, it, they've only done one big federal sale uh, of uh, federal leases on federal lands. Uh, that is a, a travesty, I think, and they're in violation of the law um, by uh, not doing these, these, uh, these sales um, of of federal lands and federal leases. The second thing is they have um, an obligation by law to put out a five-year plan uh, for the offshore development. And unfortunately, they're way late on developing that five-year plan. And in fact, in their, their draft um, with, that they put out recently, they actually suggested that uh, their new five-year plan might include zero new federal leases in the offshore. So we have major priorities to make sure that uh, we can continue to develop these resources both onshore and offshore, but we need an administration that actually wants to advance American oil and gas development. Uh, between federal lands and federal waters, that's about 25% of American production. So we need to get that online as quickly as possible. The one uh, shining bright, bright light here is, is that um, in the negotiations on the Inflation Reduction Act, we were actually able to mandate a couple of uh, sales, both onshore and offshore. Um, but those wouldn't have occurred were it not for uh, the legislative intervention uh, under the IRA. So uh, we need to get this going. We need to make sure that there is stable federal policy uh, and federal development um, if we're going to make sure that the United States continues to lead the world in energy production. Well, Mike, that's a really important point. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, I want to switch gears and talk about uh, the infrastructure uh, here uh, pertaining to LNG, liquefied natural gas, an important resource. I want to break that down as well. We've got to take a quick break. You're listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Are you a business owner feeling overwhelmed with where to begin your business's online presence? Maybe you've spent thousands of dollars in the past just to be highly disappointed with the results. We understand because we were once you. Since then, we decided to hire the very best experts to help us and you. Let us send you our business profile that will quickly show you your Google business rankings in these five areas. Reputation, ratings online, website, advertising and social media and search engine optimization all of these areas really affect how google ranks your entire listing so if ranking on page one is your goal pick up the phone and call us now 210-240-7188 or simply go to shalemag.com slash business profile we'll be in contact with you within 24 hours once again pick up the phone and call us now 210-240-7188 or simply go to shalemag.com that's s-h-a-l-e-m-a-g.com slash business profile start dealing with a company you can trust and always find
we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. My co-host today is Robert Rapier, and we are being joined by Mike Sumner, who is the CEO of American Petroleum Institution, the largest trade association representing all aspects of American natural gas and the oil industry. Mike, thank you for breaking down the importance of you know, federal leases and this administration's stance, uh, they are really behind compared to even what the Obama administration uh, was, uh, you know, how many leases they held. So it is a significant question of, you know, how hostile are they towards the oil and gas industry? But I want to switch gears and, and have a conversation regarding the United States infrastructure that's taking place all across the country, specifically in liquefied natural gas. That's a big buzzword going around. Most Americans have heard LNG. Uh, Tell me more about the envision that you see from the NGA, which is better known as the Natural Gas Act, being amended in the way that it promotes LNG projects. First of all, how important is LNG? And then what about these uh, infrastructure projects? Well, one thing that we've seen as a consequence of the terrible situation going on in uh, Ukraine is that uh, the world is going to continue to demand American oil and natural gas. In fact, what we found is that uh, because of Russia cutting off natural gas flows into Europe, it has really been the United States that's been able to step up and provide the energy that Europe needs during this time of crisis. Uh, It's a similar situation that we saw in World War II, where American oil producers produced about 90% of the crude oil that was necessary to win the war war, uh, uh, in Europe uh, during World War II. So uh, history is repeating itself a little bit. Uh, We need American oil and gas if we're going to continue to succeed. And LNG, where we have, uh, you know, backed uh, natural gas resources, 400 years of supply under Pennsylvania alone. That's not even counting the prolific Permian Basin uh, and the associated gas that, that comes from uh, from our operations in the Permian. We're going to need more natural gas, more oil, uh, if we're going to continue to grow uh, the world and uh, their expanding energy needs. Uh, LNG has become, uh, you know, the place where, uh, where most of this uh, growth is occurring. Um, liquefied natural gas permits uh, to export natural gas to countries with, uh, with which the United States does not have a free trade agreement is one of our top uh, priorities. We need to get this LNG to uh, non-FTA countries. And unfortunately, uh, the Department of Energy has really stalled those permits. There are 15 pending non-FTA export LNG permit applications representing about 20.9 billion cubic feet per day uh, that await government approval. So there's a bureaucratic uh, stoppage going on in terms of the approval of, of these LNG terminals to export to uh, non-FTA countries. So Congress, in our view, needs to amend the Natural Gas Act to streamline this review process as quickly as possible because our allies are demanding That's right. uh, American LNG. That's right. And President Biden also offered it. We have to have a way of being able to deliver it. Um, Quick question I have for you about something that recently happened with this uh, so-called weather balloon or balloon that was floating from China. And uh, the Strategic Petroleum Reserves is at its lowest point uh, in years and years. How's What's API's position on how important is that strategic petroleum reserve to be filled now uh, that just things seem to be getting unstable with China? Yeah, I, we every American should be concerned about the levels currently in the SPR. Uh, unfortunately, we're at 1983 levels mm-hmm. uh, in in the SPR. And here's the, the, the stunning statistic. We were using 20 percent 
less oil in 1983 than we are today. So we need to get those coffers refilled as quickly mm-hmm. as possible. The administration has completely abused what the purpose of the SPR is. Uh, it is not a strategic political reserve. It is a strategic petroleum reserve, and we need that for times of crisis. And unfortunately, you talk to uh, geopolitical experts around the world, this is one of the most critical and scary times that we've seen uh, uh, politically since the Cold War. And uh, right. if we don't have the resources in the SPR, uh, we're going to be we're going to be really it's going to be a really uh, difficult position for us if the world really does fall into into geopolitical crisis. So uh, both sides of the aisle need to stop abusing the SPR and we need to use it for what it is it is for, which crisis. is true geopolitical emergencies. Correct. Robert, I know you have one last question before we let Mike uh, go. Yeah, I, Mike, I'd like to ask you about the. Um you know, the transition to a low carbon future and what the oil and gas industry is doing um, and, and what you'd like to see under the Section 45Q tax credits and how that will how the oil industry will work with the administration to make sure that, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're doing what needs to be done, but also also that the administration is working with uh, the oil and gas industry to, to try to transition as, as the transition goes. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I, I, I like to I, I like to refer to the transition not necessarily as a transition, but as an addition. Um, we know that the world is going to continue to need a lot of oil and gas. In fact, the the International Energy Agency suggests that 50 percent of our uh, energy is going to come from oil and gas in the year 2040, even if every country meets its, its goals under the Paris Climate Accord, which we know uh, countries are not on track to do. So we're going to need a lot of oil and gas well into the future. But at the same time, we're going to need a lot of renewables as well. Uh, There are going to be more people in the world, and we need more sources of energy. But that's just because we're going to have new sources of energy doesn't mean that we're not going to continue to use oil and gas. It'll still be the benchmark fuel uh, for, for decades and decades to come. So those investments have to continue, but we also need to invest in renewables as well. Um, one way that uh, we've done that is uh, the 45Q tax credit, which is a tax credit for carbon capture, utilization, and storage technology. This tax credit was expanded under the Inflation Reduction Act, and a number of our members are using it now to make sure that uh, they're able to capture the carbon that would otherwise be released into the atmosphere. This is an, an exciting prospect because it allows us to continue to produce oil and gas here in the United States while at the same time meeting the needs uh, to address uh, climate change. So uh, we're, we're working with the Treasury Department now to make sure that they get uh, the 45Q tax credit um, uh, implemented in a way that actually works for the oil and gas industry. Um, but we were excited about its expansion uh, late last year. Perfect. Well, Mike, that is all the time I know we have with you today. We look forward to having you come back and, you know, drilling down a little bit more into some of these programs and maybe discussing uh, after the State of the Union uh, where API feels uh, we're heading if, if anything comes out of the State of the Union. But for now, thank you for joining us on the Old Patch Radio Show. And we look forward to having API back on here in the near future. Great to be with you. Thank you. Yep, thank you, Mike. Hey, when you're in business, you have to make a lot of tough choices. So let's talk about an easy one, your workers' comp coverage. If you're a propane or butane dealer or operator, you need to join the Lone Star Energy Safety Group through Texas Mutual Insurance Company. As a member, you'll automatically get a discount on your premium plus 
you can earn double dividends that'll go straight into your pocket. It's the easiest decision you'll ever make. Find out more at TexasMutual.com slash Lone Star Energy. Farmers and ranchers are the hardest working people on earth and deserve a side-by-side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three- and six-person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha Source side-by-side owner study. We're back. You're listening to a new old patch radio show. My co-host today is Robert Rapier, who's a 25-year chemical engineer veteran in the energy industry and a senior contributor for Forbes. Robert, thank you for joining me today. We just finished interviewing Mike Sumners, who is the CEO of API, uh, American Petroleum Institute, the largest uh, association dealing with oil and gas. And, um, you know, there's a lot that we can talk about when it comes down to this administration, what is uh, on the table, the State of the Union, uh, their position. Sometimes it's hostile. We remember that he signed an executive order the very first day he took office pertaining to uh, canceling the Keystone Pipeline, which is pretty much now DOA, dead on arrival. But Mike did talk about, and we did touch on, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. And I know this is a very... um, meaningful thing to you as well. So I want to get on that topic for our listeners to understand, first of all, that this strategic petroleum reserve is so important for, like Mike said, crisis. But but drill down into what could crisis mean? How important is this? What is your stance on the SPR for the administration, the American people to understand where we are, considering we have an invasion in Ukraine, China's balloon that was floating over the United States that was shot down uh, and their stance, uh, it seems like things are getting a little choppy and dicey in the world again. So a lot of my career has been uh, related to incident planning, incident mitigation, risk mitigation. And so I'm looking at all these scenarios and, and, you know, most of them aren't going to happen, but you have to be prepared for if a scenario happens. And it's like, it's like homeowner's insurance. I mean, how many of our homes burn down? Not, not many, but we have homeowner's insurance because if your home does burn down and if you don't have it, it's a financial absolute disaster. And so we have insurance policies in place. It's like the oil and gas industry. We have certain things, you know, if lightning strikes a tank, we have those tanks grounded because that can be an absolute disaster. And lightning is very seldom going to strike a tank but we plan for that possibility. And so the Strategic Petroleum Reserve was designed in case we have oil, uh, our oil imports get interrupted. So like in the 1973-74 oil embargo, that- Very scary time. That was a very scary time. So we got, our imports were disrupted. Oil prices quadrupled in a very Mm -hmm. short order. We went into a major recession uh, you know, worst stock market in, uh, you know, in most of our lifetimes, 73, 74, terrible. Um, you know, it, it hurt us a lot. Uh, fortunately, it wasn't a hot war because in the case of a hot war, 
if you get um, you know those supply lines cut off, if, if Saudi Arabia, one of our most important uh, um, uh, oil importers, if those supply lines got cut off and we didn't have those oil imports, suddenly uh, we don't necessarily have the oil and gas that we need to to go about our daily lives, and suddenly you may be um, you may be rationing, you may be you know prices are going to skyrocket. And so the Strategic Petroleum Reserve is there to make sure if some emergency happens, that oil is there to be able to kind of get us, um, bridge the gap um, as, as we work through this crisis. And so by depleting the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, you have substantially depleted that insurance supply. And so again, it, back to the homeowner's insurance, it's like suddenly you've reduced the coverage on your half million dollar home to $100,000. Well, that's great if your home doesn't burn down. But if your home burns down, now you potentially have a very serious problem. It's financial disaster for you in your life. And that's what will happen. And as I warned, as we depleted it last year, and we depleted it solely for the purpose of trying to manipulate prices. I mean, right. this is, Mike was absolutely right. This is not the reason that Strategic Petroleum Reserve is in place, but politicians have used it that way again and again. If you look ahead of elections, politicians have often tapped in the Strategic Petroleum Reserve to try to mitigate prices. And that's that's the wrong way to use it. That's not what it's there for. And so as we depleted it last year, I was warning repeatedly, look, you know, this is this is a risk. And it's a risk that um, president might get away with if we don't have a need to call on it. Um, he might get away with it. But it's also a problem that he could pass on to the to the next uh, presidency, because if he doesn't refill it and he's already had opportunity, but he didn't like the prices that he was going to have to pay to refill it, right. um, then he might end up passing that on to the next president. You know, we may be running with a depleted strategic petroleum reserve for uh, an extended period of time. And that, that's a that's a problem uh, if we if we need it, if it's called on. I mean, what he's really doing, he's playing the role of oil speculator right now and saying, you know, I need oil prices to be a little bit lower. We, we all do. We'd all, I'd like to wait to fill my gas tank until gasoline prices are a little lower, but I don't know. So I, you know, we, we take the price that is at the market because what he could do, he could wait around and uh, to, to refill it and could have to refill it. Um, prices could be 10, 15, $20 a barrel higher than they are now. There's no guarantee that oil prices will continue to go down and you're going to refill it at a substantially lower price than than uh, than today and so so that's the risk well and i think what mike said is it's not it, it hasn't been this low since 1983 if you're a, a senior somewhat like some of us you remember uh these long lines i grew up in houston i can remember fights uh there was two mile long waits for gasoline and boy you better hope you weren't the one that ran out of gas uh on your turn because it was it was a very scary time as a kid i remember it and i think we have forgotten what happens when we are running low all we have to do though is look when we've had a freeze or when we've had a hurricane and we've gone offline or the colonial pipeline what happens in these disruptions and people tend to panic no different than if we have a major hurricane we need to remember that and just curiously remind uh, our listeners what do you think the number one thing was that made the united states win world war ii yeah i mean uh, people people would have different opinions on this but we did have substantial access to energy we were 
uh, the major oil producer in the world. So we had access to those raw materials and, uh, you know, the UK converted over from coal ships to, to, uh, to oil ships. And, and the fact that, um, you know, we had that oil enabled us to, uh, you know, a lot of people would say it was won because we had that access to oil. And I'm going to go one step further. In wartime, I mean, I know we said crisis, but in wartime, what do we think fills up our airplanes, our ships? We need access to energy and quickly. And it is a troubling time, like Mike said, in the uh, energy sector as well as the geopolitical. It's changing landscape, changing daily. China is uh, getting aggressive, sending uh, spy balloons uh, over claiming they're weather balloons, and we have an invasion from Russia and Ukraine. I think it should be a priority for the American people to really pay attention to what's happening with the Strategic Petroleum Reserve and demanding and calling their elected officials that they need to pass policies to protect this as well as refill it and put pressure on the Biden administration. But for now, Robert, that's all the time we have. Great interview with Mike Summer, and um, I look forward to having you back on the show here uh, in the near future. Thank you for being my co-host. Thank you for having me on. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.